Welcome to True Free Audio, episode number 10, July 13th, 2008. Speaking through this tiny box, through wires where it's walk, starting down browser blocks, worldwide transmission talk, fuzzy flicker at the balls, DRM dash to the balls, podcast broadcast signal no noise, global infinite internet choice, music chunks get it all for free. Major labels don't get me Contracts kiss my industry I'll sing the system to its knees This week in True Free Audio I'll be going over the latest news stories in the music industry and this week's featured artist is Do Up an artist from Jamendo I haven't done one of those in a long time the album being Acoustic Lounge Live. I'll also be talking later in the program about various software and hardware solutions to create music because it is a long kind of process. But first, the news. Our first story this week comes by way of SeedMagazine.com. Now, I've never even heard of these people before, but this is some good stuff. It is called The Shape of Music, How Do Harmony and Melody Combine to Make Music? And it goes through the mathematical relationship between math and music. It's a really interesting read. Uh, for most artists out there, they're probably aware of maybe a slight relationship between math and music. I mean, there is math involved whenever you start dealing out notes. Uh, a standard 4-4 frame has a certain set of notes in it, depending on how much of a beat they count for. Like quarter notes, half notes, whole notes, you get the idea. But there is math directly at the surface, but there's also math deep, deep under the surface. And that is basically how chords are formed, uh, harps for example, how the, the shape of the harp and how different notes sound good, the way it's played, why guitar strings are certain length, uh, the keys on a piano, the number of them, the length of the wire on board, that whole deal basically, and how it all relates directly into music. I mean, you take the basic math of, say, a piano, and you could study it for years and never figure out everything there is to know about how it works, but it does. Now, there's also other things that it goes through in here, and that is the position of uh, chords based on their length and how it actually uses a clock to try and make it easier to understand the relationship based on length and whatnot. And also the positioning of the keys on the piano, why, they, why certain keys sound good together, and why melodies often are in very tight sections of a keyboard, and why the if you play something 
say, down in low Cs, and you try to add something in, like, middle C, it doesn't always sound quite right. And it goes through that and describes why it works. Now, possibly the hardest part to grasp about this entire article is that they basically go on for a good solid four column pages. That's four pages of one column, not four columns of one page. But there's a lot of depth in what they're talking about in there. And in a way, I guess a lot of musicians are already attuned to this, especially some of the stuff about why the chords work and why specific chords are specific keys and whatnot. So it's not a lot of new information. It's a lot of good information. I mean, some of this stuff is pretty obvious, but you never know. You might learn a lot just by sitting there and reading about the math. Who knows? The next great artist could be a mathematician turned musician. It's very possible, but again, music is math, and there are ways to see it in math, and there are other ways not to, but it's a lot more fun if you like math when you do music, because then you can see the underlying patterns and whatnot. Now, our second story this week is about Last FM. Now, we've heard a lot about Last FM in the past few weeks, uh, namely their whole being dropped by a major record label. But apparently, in I guess this would be a reaction poise, Last FM starts playing, paying, rather, royalties to unsigned bands. This is from readwriteweb.com. I'm sure you could probably find this story somewhere else, but it was up here first. And apparently, Last.fm is going to start paying royalties to independent musicians featured on their sites for downloads and whatnot. Now, what that basically means is your average everyday Joe that puts a song up there and gets, let's say, 20 or 30 downloads now gets a small cut. Um, it doesn't actually say what the cut will be, but I would assume it'd probably be maybe one, two cents a download. Now, if you're a small... Now, normally, if you're a signed band, that music will... That uh, cut will actually go to the record label, and they'll disperse it down to the artist. Obviously, if an unsigned artist puts all of their music collection on, let's say, iTunes and Last FM and a whole bunch of other places, and they get 10,000 downloads, let's say total, and they get a few cents a song, say, three cents a song, and they just downloaded, say, 10,000 songs. That's roughly $3,000 in their pocket. And all they had to do was upload. They didn't have to go through a publishing or a production company. Now, there's no guarantee that a band will get those 10,000 or so hits. But even a thousand hits based on, let's say, a small group, a 
thousand hits, that's still three hundred dollars. And honestly, that's three hundred dollars that they just had to earn by making the music and recording it. If they had the stuff already to record it, or let's say they're they just enjoy making music and they put this up, that's still three hundred dollars that they get in their pocket. Now even small amounts of money add up over time, so maybe like one, two cents a song is pretty good, considering that's probably all you'd, you'd be making less money per song based on album sales through a record label because you have to pay production fees and they take a pretty big cut off the album. But if you're selling through, let's say, iTunes, you can, I don't know how much it exactly makes, but you can work it out so you make a lot more money than if you would through a record label. Of course, the problem there is advertising. You don't have a huge record label pushing you up on brand, pushing you up brand-wise, and you don't usually get the live gig support that you would through a company like that. But then again, you can get a lot, if not most, of your record label services through third parties. Uh, there's prob there's concert schedulers out there. Lots of ways to do it. I mean, even if you only do, let's say, a show a month. Actually, let's say you only do like two shows a year. That's pretty low. So you do two shows a year, you sell a hundred albums. But let's say you make those albums worth ten dollars. And it costs you, mm, we'll say, after all the hardware, about two bucks an album. You're making eight dollars an album. I'd like to see anyone out there through record labels make eight dollars on an album. An album. Per sale. That's impressive. Usually you make about a, maybe a dollar if you're a big name. Maybe 34 cents. Something like that. Just absolute minute sale. Profits off sales. And that probably all goes away pretty quick, too. I mean, most money comes in from live concerts where you get a much larger cut. But still, you're not going to be selling tens of millions of albums, but you're also making, uh, I'd say, roughly 100 times more money per album. Maybe 50, 100 times more money per album. So in that sense, yeah, it works out pretty advantageous, but... Again, there's no guarantee that you're going to be at the next, uh, you're not going to be the next Jay-Z online anyway. I mean, relatively speaking, you're probably not going to make that much money. But, who knows? Maybe after a while the, that'll change and people will only be able to make that record labels won't be able to publicize because the internet does it for them and artists will just stop going to record labels not that that's a good thing though record labels still have a purpose and despite their old media attitudes towards the internet they still do serve a good portion of music to the general public and without it I mean radio stations probably would have a lot harder time playing music because then you'd have to go to individual artists and not just say, Hey, record label, we want to play some music. Can we get a licensing fee from you? Okay, here. 
and then they can play all the music from that label. And that's how basically radio stations operate. Now, if it was all independent artists, they would have to go to every artist that they wanted to see or play, and then they'd have to get permission from them and whatnot. That's under standard distribution channels where the music is fully copyrighted. However, Creative Commons music, on the other hand, let's say you have, uh, let's say you have 30 artists that you need to go through that have full copyrighted material. Let's say you have a thousand artists that you can pull their music down without royalty worries and you can play it as long as you make credit for that artist. Now obviously those artists that have their music for free aren't going to get royalties off of that unless it's downloaded in some manner or fashion. But let's say, hypothetically, that this radio operator looks at those 30, and they're, they have, now let's say for sake, argument's sake, that they have equal music capability. But the music is about the same either way. So it's not a quality issue. If you're running a legitimate business, it would cost you a lot more money, if not all of any money that you would be spending to get those 30 artists if they're independent, if there's no record label. And even if they're, let's say there's a third option, a single record label that deals with, let's say, a hundred artists that have really popular music, but the quality is the same. Now, you could run the route of going to the record label and paying up the money for it, or you could run the gauntlet of trying to get 30 different artist permission, and if you don't get an artist permission, you can't play that particular song grouping and so on. So it's going to cost a lot of money to get independent artists that have full copyright on their music. It's going to cost a lot to get popular through music, music uh, through record labels, but you have roughly 10 times as much music over here in the free distribution channel. may not be as popular, but it's free. All you have to do is get it. And once you have it, you can play it as long as you attribute. And basically, radio stations do that pretty easily. You say who the artist was that you just played. Your DJ does that for you. Pretty easy stuff there. Now, of course, you can also say that a radio station that plays this independent, this independent, free licensed music, Creative Commons licensed music, won't make nearly as much money off of ad revenues and whatnot because there aren't as many listeners. Well, if your infrastructure is already in place and you don't have, and you're not paying, let's say, rent, and you don't have to pay like continual FCC costs, then by all means, you can still run a small operation. You're not being syndicated globally by any means, but chances are if you're unique enough and the Creative Commons area will do that for you, you can pull down a good number of profit profits because you're not spending any money to acquire music. Record labels have licensing fees that you have to pay, I don't know, maybe 
yearly, maybe quarterly, I'm not quite certain. I don't run a radio station, but I know there are licensing fees that you have to pay. They're not exorbitant, but they do cut into your bottom line. I mean, anything cuts into your bottom line. Your employee runs into a stop sign outside, and you have to fix it or something. It runs into your bottom line, that kind of thing. So, in an ideal state, it wouldn't matter based on popularity. Radio stations wouldn't have to worry about copyrights. They might go after those 30 artists, and those 30 artists might release some of their songs through Creative Commons. If they do that, they get a little bit of publication. Maybe if they're popular enough, the radio station will personally request uh, licensing or play the ability to play their music on the radio through those individuals, and they'll give it to them. Maybe not. But that's just the general gist of a radio station's operation there. It's not a terrible lot to go by, but it is there. That was it for the news, and now for this week's featured artist. This week's featured artist is Do Up, that's Do hyphen Up, and the album is Acoustic Lounge Live from Jamendo.com. Great place. Recommend. If you haven't checked it out, go there. It was the featured place for the first three or four episodes. Now, I would say Acoustic Lounge Live and Do Up in general is a fairly smooth band. I mean, a lot of the stuff that comes from Jumendo is pretty smooth. So, enjoy. The first song that I will play is Desert Road, and the, which is number two on the album, and the third song on the album, Feel Me, will follow. So, Desert Road and Feel Me by Do Up from the album Acoustic Lounge Live.
That was Desert Road by Doop from Acoustic Lounge Live. Following Feel Me, also by the same artist, same album, you get the idea. All from Jamendo.com.
And that was Feel Me by Doop from Acoustic Lounge Live. Make sure you check the show notes for the rest of the album. There are two more songs, Be Free and Moody, the first and fourth song on the album. So go there, check them out. If you really like them, support your artists and spread the word. Now, earlier in the program, I said I was going to talk a little bit about how to craft music. Now, today, this week, basically, I'll talk a little bit about the Macintosh OS X solutions for that. Next week, I'll cover the Windows solution, Windows and Linux solutions, rather, because they're pretty synonymous. But you can get some of the same music production tools on Mac as you can on Windows, but Windows is a whole other beast that I will cover at another date. Now the Mac, you have a wide variety of tools. First one that comes to mind, Pro Tools. Pro Tools is auto-distributed, well not auto-distributed, just distributed by um, Apple, basically. And it is a fairly decent program. You'll If you go to their Apple's website, by that, by there I mean Apple's website, you can see a bunch of artists that already use Pro Tools and various other things that are distributed by Apple. And Pro Tools has a pretty large community. I mean, a lot of artists use them. Um, a lot of famous artists use them. So, I mean, it's a pretty popular software solution, and it's easy to run. There are sample tracks that you can drag in and drop where you need them. Uh, you can sample, record live, do multiple streams of input, that kind of thing, all through one computer, and it's a pretty nice app. It's a hundred, or no, it's like two hundred dollars, and there are hundreds of add-ons that you can buy, little plugins that do various things. Uh, I believe there's some that actually give you complete waveform control and pitch change and all that good stuff. I mean, you can you can take a perfectly off-key singer, someone who sings at the wrong key at the wrong level, sings too softly, and you can bring it up and make them sound like Frank Sinatra. Well, close to Frank Sinatra. I mean, you can't get quite there. I mean, you can bring the pitch back, and you can fix the levels maybe a little bit, and maybe remove some popping and whatnot, but it's very hard to make someone sound like Frank Sinatra if they sing like a dead horse. But you get the idea. Now there are other applications for the Mac. Uh, GarageBand is a free alternative to that. Fairly simple, easy to use interface, comes with the Mac, you know, that whole deal. And that's what I use to publish this podcast because I'm cheap and don't want to spend $200 for Pro Tools. Plus, I don't really need it. I could do all this on Audacity as well. I've tried to do it all on Audacity. It's very tricky. Now, Audacity is a third option there, and it's a little bit sketchy to be using for professional makeup, basically. Main reason, you have... Audacity. I mean, it's a pretty visual app. It does good waveform control, but it doesn't have a lot of features. I mean, you, if you're 
looking to basically have a sample clip that you want to export in various formats, Audacity is the perfect thing for you. But as soon as you start getting into more than two, three channels of audio is when you start looking at problems. Because you can start compile, you have to start playing things at the right time. It's not as easy as drag and drop samples. Now you can set it up so that it repeats and does all that good stuff, but it's very tricky to use. Not that I'm saying you can't use it. I'm very certain that you could take and remix a lot of things with just Audacity. It required a lot. It would require a lot of work, but you could do it. Now, with those three things, there's hundreds of other options for you to use. I mean, a simple search for, say, uh, well, not you don't even have to go really searching anywhere. You can go to Apple's website and look at the download section under audio, and you can find, I mean hundreds of apps, well, downloadable apps, demos and whatnot, so you can test and try out things, but hundreds and hundreds of ways to do things and what to do and that whole deal. And there's a lot there. Um, like I said, easy stuff that you can get into, a lot of audio conversion stuff in there, some really simple apps, some very nice Cocoa apps, and some very visual apps, but I mean, you can find just about anything you could ever dream in terms of audio audio editing with a simple search and some hard work. That in mind, maybe in weeks following, I might talk about hardware possibil possibilities, maybe what to publish with and whatnot. But you get the idea. But thank you for listening to True Free Audio on this lovely week. Tune in next week, same place, about the same time. Thank you. Good night.